Welcome to Fretzelmania, starring your favorite Canadian, the Prime Minister of Wrestle Attic Radio, Mr. Fretz. Tope con hello, peeps, and welcome to the debut edition of the Fretzelmania podcast on Wrestle Addict Radio. I am Mr. Fretz. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Fretzelmania. That's F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. And this podcast can be heard everywhere. Podcasts can be heard through the Wrestle Addict Radio feed, including Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Audible, to name just a few. And what a long, strange year this has been. You know, y'all know that I have been the second mic on the Game Changer podcast with my co-host and my good brother, Nate the F and Great. Y'all also know that uh, Nate decided uh, it was time for him to leave Russell Addict Radio and uh, I want to uh, take this time to thank him for allowing me to be uh, the second mic, for being an even better friend. And I just want to wish him all the best of luck in whatever he's going to be doing on the podcasting side of things. You know, Nate's one of the most uh, humble, genuine men I've ever met. And I know that whatever he's going to do, he's going to absolutely kill it. So, Nate. Thank you very much, good brother. Uh, him and I are going to collab from time to time on his end of things. Uh, I want to also thank uh, Ricky, King Ricky Rose, the general manager himself, for bringing me onto the network, for bringing Fretzelmania onto the network. You know, a blog that I just started because I wanted to talk about wrestling. You know, I brought it on to. Um, to WordPress, and then I started sharing it with people like Ant and Ricky and uh, and uh, everyone else and Nate, and they loved it. So thank you for this opportunity, King Ricky. I won't let you down. I'm going to let you know what you're going to be expecting from the Fretzelmania podcast. You're going to get a little bit of current wrestling talk here and there. Uh, I watch Raw when I can. NXT when I can. It just depends on work and all that stuff, but I always make it a priority to try and catch some of the pay-per-views out there. So I'll be talking about WWE, NXT, AEW, maybe a little bit of New Japan, but this week I'm going to be focusing on a few different uh, events that we've had in recent history. Hell in the Cell, Impact's Bound for Glory, and, of course, NXT Halloween Havoc. I'm not going to give you a spot-for-spot spot, uh, detailed coverage of these events. Uh, you all probably get them uh, elsewhere. I'm just here to talk about what what I got out of it and maybe have a little bit of fun with it. You're going to get a couple of segments on Fretzelmania as well, uh, one of which is something you've heard if you are a member of the Patreon. So, Hell in the Cell, that took place, I think it was... A week or two ago, I'm, I'm recording this on Sunday, November the 1st. 
uh, I believe a Hell in a Cell was last week. Anyways, here we had a kickoff match between Gulak and R-Truth for the 24-7 championship because, you know, reasons why not. But Roman Reigns and Jey Uso opened the show for the Universal Championship. Uh, Paul Heyman there as not an advocate of Roman Reigns, but a not an associate either because he doesn't do all the talking for Roman. The relationship dynamic between, you know, Brock and Paul and Roman and Paul couldn't be more different. Like, Paul Heyman is there out of a reverence for Roman Reigns and probably also the Atanoe family. On, on SmackDown recently, Paul Heyman called Roman Reigns the tribal chief. And Roman's like, I don't want you to call me that. I don't want you to call me that because Jay won't acknowledge me as the tribal chief. So this this entire match was just as violent and emotional and crazy as their Night of Champions match. You know, in kind of an ironic twist, uh, Jimmy Uso getting involved in both of these matches uh, had ha- had to have something to do with with the other. Like the uh, the the first match here was. I forget. It wasn't. No, this was the I Quit match. The I Quit match took place in the cell, and there was a whole bunch of violent spots here. Like Jay had some great hope spots here with some super kicks and some super fly splashes. Uh, Roman wouldn't say I quit. We had just another level of violence from Roman Reigns. He got out all the weapons. He got out the freaking steps. They had. Uh, the straps got out here and uh and Jay Uso just started like cussing at him and I think the Kevin Dunn or whoever was at the the censoring table there was a little bit late on the bleeps cuz uh shit got out on the network Roman hit several spears several superman punches and he was wearing something on his hand I thought mildly resembled the Infinity Gauntlet, and I just thought, oh crap. Uh, Roman's about to Jey Uso snap him out of existence, but it doesn't have enough, you know, gem colors on the glove. It looked like it from a distance, okay? But man, you had spears and Superman punches and all these things, like the, the steps, the straps, the chairs, and... There was almost a point in the match where they were going to referee stoppage this. Like, this would be like what the third Helm the Cell in the row that had a bullcrap finish. Like, Braun Strowman a couple of years ago. Last year with The Fiend and Seth Rollins, which was one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen. They should have put the title on The Fiend there instead of an effing blessed Saudi Arabia. Like, those ugh, those shows... Yeah, those are some things I ain't covering. I, I'm gonna let you know that. Not even for Patreon. <laughs> oh boy. So the Roman's like, no, you're not stopping this match. No, he has to quit. He has to quit and acknowledge me as the travel chief. So out comes Jimmy, who is still working through uh, 
through a knee injury, I think it is. And he's there to talk some sense into Roman. And just like, what you doing, Oos? You're tripping. I love you, man. And then cue the waterworks. Roman's just like, you know, crying like, you know, I don't know who I am anymore. And just reeling him in. I, I, I could tell he was about to do something. He's he's reeling us in because he, he's starting to cry. And even Paul Heyman is just looking on there like, what have I gotten myself into? Because he's not heavily featured in this uh, in this feud or or in this dynamic with with Roman, it, which makes this just so much more unique. And then Roman finally flips a switch and locks in Jimmy. In the the guillotine choke, or as uh, it had to be someone on 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 the network would say, he they should call this move the acknowledgement, which I am all for, and it adds another layer to Roman Reigns. Like everyone's just like, oh man, he's got the couple moves of doom, Superman punch, Samoan drop, spear, but Roman Reigns has always been one of the most consistently talented performers in WWE. Maybe it was his booking that was turning a lot of people, including myself for a time, a little bit sour from from him. But he's got the guillotine locked in. And in an ending reminiscent of DIY versus, versus FTR at NXT TakeOver Toronto 1 in 2016, uh, Jay, who is barely conscious from the beating he took from the mounted shots and the weapons and the spears he grabs his his brother's hand he grabs jimmy's hand and is like okay i quit i quit which is uh, again irony from night of champions where jay was just getting punched and punched and punched jimmy comes out and he's like, okay, okay, that's enough, that's enough. And he gets him to call off the match. And now this, just the other day on SmackDown, uh, Jay qualified to be a member of Team SmackDown at Survivor Series in a match against Daniel Bryan, a very good match against Daniel Bryan. Shocking that he won. But then he's like, Roman was just like, you know, because you two quit and you don't quit your you're not quitting this match in this business you're quitting the family so now he's like you have to come with me and follow mine you'll have until the end of the night you know and i, I didn't even mention the wild samoans afa and roman's father sika coming out at the end of the the hell in the cell match and giving roman a lay and and basically saying he's the head of the table, you are now the tribal chief. Like I, I can imagine, you know, High Chief Peter Maivia w- would be Roman's uncle. Was that in the past, and now the lineage, the dynasty, is passed down to him. Now the rest of the some of the non-Hell in the Cell matches here were absolute filler, which 
I didn't like that much. You know, Elias and Jeff Hardy. Elias, you know, one of my favorites right now. Uh, I just don't care enough about this feud with Jeff Hardy. Not like Jeff too, despite the fact I was booing him in the Thunderdome this week. Uh, that's one way to not be shown on camera, is to wear an Elias shirt and boo Jeff Hardy. Point taken for future visits to said dome. For some reason, Slapjack had a pay-per-view match. Why? Why is Retribution still... <sighs> yeah, I might talk about why I would book them better, but I have a better fantasy booking idea, which I'm going to be getting into a, a little bit later here. But yeah, we had the other two Hell in a Cell matches between Bailey and Sasha Banks and Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. They delivered. They delivered for what they needed to deliver. Hell in a Cell is, or at least should be, the ultimate feud ender. And that's what we got out of Bailey versus Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's title. It was just as violent as predicted. Fantastic selling, fantastic storytelling throughout the whole match. And there was a lot of great callbacks, you know, to, to their time. You know, Bailey, of course, came out with that chair, that chair that she used to stab Sasha Banks in the back after losing the women's tag titles to Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler. The same chair that Bailey would drag out to the ringside through all her promos on SmackDown that she would sit in and talk about, you know, how she carried Sasha for so long and finally it was time to get rid of her. You know, kind of along the same lines that she was saying on her Chronicle on the network. Good stuff, by the way. I apologize if y'all can hear the wind outside. Uh, it is windy as heck out there. The wind gusts are approaching 90 kilometers an hour. It is sleeting outside because it's Canada in November. We're going to get the wet snow and all that white stuff coming here soon. Hooray! Now, Bailey and Sasha. Bailey was going to be going for this... Uh, Spot that was reminiscent of the Usos versus the New Day feud from a couple of years ago where the she was trying to lay out these kendo sticks throughout the the holes in the fence and and the ring. I don't think that spot went according to plan because it was uh, heavily featured on uh, this week's Botchamania, which absolutely check them out. Matthew Gregg, awesome stuff. But the rest of the match just revolved a little bit around the story behind this chair that was, you know, the centerpiece throughout the entire feud. And finally, Sasha Banks locked in the bank statement with that chair to make Bailey tap out in her historic 380-something day SmackDown women's title reign came to an end. And... Man, this was this was match of the night for me. It's a very very close to Roman and Jay because that was great for a storytelling element. This was good in the spots and the action, like the sunset flip to the outside into the cage. 
was absolutely vicious. Uh, we had Drew and Randy. You know, Randy won back the WWE title, and the Miz got the money in the bank off of Otis. Two of my most hated wrestlers in the company, Randy and Miz, are controlling the title picture right now. And I may not like it, but I think it's time for a little something different in the in the title picture. You know, The Miz was Mr. Money in the Bank 10 years ago, and he cashed in on Orton. A lot of us were thinking that that very same thing was going to happen at Money in the Bank, or on Raw, but it didn't. So, Hell in a Cell, one of the better pay-per-views from this year. You know, and WWE has been pretty good at giving us these events this year. I can't for the life of me think of a particularly bad event. Maybe the one that had Drew and Edge in the main event as the greatest wrestling match ever. Yeah, that was the one that I really didn't care about. Was that Backsplash? I can't remember because this year has lasted about a decade. I didn't get to watch the entirety of Impact Wrestling's Bound for Glory, but from what I saw, it was a very enjoyable event. They are, of course, also doing empty arena wrestling. They don't have the capabilities to have something like a Thunderdome. But I got in during the Take Your Shot Battle Royal the Collier Shot Battle Royal, I'm sorry, which was won by Rhino. And because of that, uh, Heath Slater now has a contract with Impact Wrestling. You know, Heath was a part of this match, and unfortunately, he, uh, I think he suffered a hernia or something during this match. He really early on got this really, really bad injury. It didn't look good. Props to him for finishing. We had a couple of returns, uh, Sean Davari, you know, notable for being a manager for Muhammad Hassan, one of the more controversial gimmicks of the of the early to mid 2000s, who then, you know, got a stint in ECW and a cruiserweight classic, if I'm not mistaken. He came back to the WWE for a cup of coffee in the past couple of years. James Storm Came out to the ring drinking a beer. We had Fala Ba was in this match. Tommy Dreamer coming out dressed as World Warrior Animal. Rest in peace. And and the rest of this match was just a, a, it was a battle royal. Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins, had an incredible showing in this match. Uh, even eliminating his good friend Swoggle. What's up, Nate? Swoggle was in this match, which was kind of fun to see. And then, yeah, Rhino wins this. And then, you know, Heath Slater, of course, gets his long-awaited Impact Wrestling contract because he's got kids. Uh, the rest of the card here, we have the North once again as Impact Tag Team Champions defeating the Good Brothers, the Motor City Machine Guns, and Ace Austin and Madman Fulton, you know, formerly Sawyer Fulton from Sanity. Uh, right at the start of this match, uh, Alex Shelley was taken out of this match by Josh Alexander from a disgusting-looking butterfly pile driver on the ramp. 
I think Shelley had had a, an injury that he couldn't work through. So this was their way of getting through this match. Ken Shamrock, who was inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame by The Rock of all people. Yeah, The Rock is in the Impact Zone. What is the pebble doing in the Impact Zone, Mike Tenay? <laughs> yeah, and then we had uh, cameos from Mick Foley and Brett the Hitman Hart congratulating Ken Shamrock. And he still looks exactly the same as he did in 1998. He made a relatively short work of of Eddie Edwards here, making him tap out to the ankle lock. I think he's been tagging with, or at least being accompanied by Sammy Callahan, which is kind of interesting given their their past, because they had some belter matches before. Then we had Sue Young defeat Deanna Perazzo for the Impact Knockouts Championship. Sue Young was a replacement for Kylie Ray, who was supposed to challenge Deanna for the title. And uh, as of this time, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if she was injured or what. But yeah, Kylie Ray was just not there. So there was a last minute basically replacement. And it was Sue Young, who I haven't seen on Impact since her feud with Rosemary a couple of years ago, which was, that was some great, great television there. That was some good shit, pal. And uh, yeah, Sue Young, she's kind of like a female version of The Fiend in a way, because also her alter ego Susie has been a regular on Impact for the past little while. And now she returns as the Undead Bride. The only thing that's missing is Father James Mitchell, but he took place in an angle on Impact this week where Rosemary was going to marry, of all people, Johnny Bravo. Is he still in the wrestling business? And then Johnny Bravo got shot. Who shot Mr. Burns? Uh, uh, Maggie. Uh, so I'm, I'm imagining that someone's baby is going to be revealed as the one who shot Johnny Bravo. And Tommy Dreamer just made that whole angle even better with his no ah sorry headphones users r i p uh, and then rich swan won the impact world title from eric young in a very very good match it was uh yeah it was it was a great back and forth match uh, rich swan has had a rough couple of years in the business I believe he was the cruiserweight champion in the WWE for a little bit. And then, of course, he had to do some stuff with Enzo Amore. Or was he in the feud with Pac? I can't remember. Folks, you're going to get me babbling a lot on this show. It's just, it's the way I am. If you heard me on Game Changer, you'll know. you come to expect it. But I'll promise and I'll try to work on that stuff. Then there was this weird cinematic match between EC3 and Moose. Uh, to be honest, I didn't pay that much attention to this. I didn't understand. I don't understand why Moose went over in this when this was all about EC3 controlling the narrative and taking the 
the TNA, not the Impact title, but the TNA title. And then I saw no TNA title in this match. Uh, Jay Bone from Smash This Podcast, shout out. Uh, you might know why. Uh, hit me up and and let me know. Because I thought this was going to be for that very title. And now finally on to NXT Halloween Havoc. This past week was the return of Spin the Wheel and Make a Deal. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I watched Halloween Havoc 93, which featured the Spin the Wheel for the main event between Cactus Jack and Big Van Vader that landed on a Texas death match. You can hear that on the archives here on Russell Attic Radio with myself and Nate. And that was a damn good match. The opening one here between Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest for the North American Championship was also a belter. It took place in a Devil's Playground match, which is basically it was another Texas death match, another hardcore match. I would have expected some kind of cage or tables, ladders, and scares, but I think that was the match we got a little bit later. So this guy who probably was a older Man Mountain Rock, shout out if you remember that name from the WWE, uh, played Damian Priest to the ring with a guitar. He was shredding like Dimebag Daryl and Eddie Van Halen. God rest their souls. Rest in peace, Eddie. Oh, that one still hurts. That one still hurts so, so much. Uh, And the rest of this match looked like it hurt as well because they wound up in this pseudo graveyard area the pumpkin not quite the same pumpkin from halloween havoc's past made an appearance and johnny stabbed it you bastard oh my gosh what what a prick johnny gargano is the perfect heel and i love this power couple aspect of him and candace LeRae on nxt it's a it's very triple h and stephanie Except that they're not like pseudo running the show. But this dude in a in a screen mask comes out and costs Damian Priest the championship. I think he gets whaled with the tombstone or something. Not the tombstone pilot driver, a tombstone from the set. Yeah, and that tombstone shot knocked Priest off the set, crashing through some stuff below. Holy shit chance from the Capital Wrestling Center Thunderdome uh, kind of crowd. Johnny makes the cover and once again is the North American champion. And kind of a shocker. I thought that Priest was going to have a bit more of a run with the title and maybe drop it to like Dexter Loomis or Cameron Grimes or something. That was a, a very, very fun opener. We saw you know Pat McAfee with the new tag team champions. The Brit and Brawlers, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Uh, awesome stuff here. Kyle O'Reilly comes out to the ring, uh, but he didn't come alone. He had backup in the form of Pete Dunn, the Bruiserweight, who's been on NXT UK as of late, which, by the way, has been killing it. Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for the title is a match of the year candidate. Holy shnikes. If there's any wrestling you're going to watch this week, watch UK, watch that match. Emotion, heart, friggin' action. Oh man, that, that match, that match had it all. Oh, Pete Dunn, they comes into the ring here with an equalizer. He's bought a steel chair to help him even the odds with Pat McAfee 
and the Brit and Brawlers. But swerve, bro. Pete hits Kyle Riley in the back with the chair. And the four just stomp a mud hole in his ass and walk it dry. Pete Dunn has not forgotten that the Undisputed Era, namely Roddy Strong, turned his back on him. So the fact that that Pete would trust someone from the Undisputed Era is a little odd, but this is a big old a 180. This is a big old full circle moment. Take a shot, Nate. And we're off to the races here with a great feud, which I think we're going to see in wall games in the coming weeks. Uh, William Regal is absolutely going to announce that. I'm, I'm calling it now. Uh, McAfee, Brit Ambrawlers, Pete Dunne versus the entire Undisputed Era. Now, I think one of them might be uh, going through an injury, but you can always throw in someone else. I apologize. I was just yawning a little bit into there. We saw Cameron Grimes getting kind of freaked out for his Haunted House of Horrors match coming up with Dexter Loomis later in the show. That was something else. Cruiserweight champion Santos Escobar and Jake Atlas have a fast-paced non-title match here. Of course, we had Raul Mendoza and Yaquin Wild coming out dressed up like, you know, Mexican. What are the Mexican zombie things called? What's that? What's that Pixar movie? It looked like they were characters from Coco. You know, that uh, Pixar movie, the Mexican zombie things. I haven't seen it yet. I've still been meaning to. I want to watch it, but, you know, uh, guy only has so much time. Phantom Driver here gets the 1-2-3, but Jake Atlas is a guy I could see in the Cruiserweight division, maybe even being a future champion, because that cartwheel DDT thing that he does is absolutely sick. Amber Moon is cutting a promo on Dakota Kai. Shotzi Blackheart is out in her several wardrobe changes of the night. Shotzi, absolutely gorgeous. Very unique character, and I can't wait to see what she can do on NXT. And next up here is, of course, the aforementioned Haunted House of Horrors match between Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is going to the moon, except this time he's not. Grimes can play that, you know, that that chicken shit heel, that cocky guy so, so well. And uh, (laughs) he's one of my favorites on NXT right now. He's just so entertaining. He can pull he can pull all these faces. He can just he knows how to be a prick. And that's something I love to see. In a wrestler, a guy like MJF, who is probably my favorite right now in all of wrestling, because he just knows how to turn it on. He knows how to be a douche, and he plays that perfectly. So Grimes gets picked up in this windowless van. He's just like, nah, man, uh uh, I ain't getting in that. But he is forced in there. But first, uh, this van uh, drops off. Michael P.S. Hayes, complete with Bad Street Advantage EA. Baddest street in the whole USA. <laughs> he just, hey, hey, thanks for the run. Doot, doot, doot. And cinematic horror matches. You know, we saw these 
zombie chicks flying out of everywhere. We saw all the jump scares. We saw the every haunted house cliche you can think of. And then finally, Cameron Grimes is running away in this residential neighborhood. Apparently, to full sale, to be continued. Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez have an absolute banger of a match. One of the best uh, non-title women's matches of the year. Just, just, just killing it here. Uh, and then your uh, your typical Halloween costume contest here. We had Drake Maverick coming out dressed as Hulk Hogan. Then we see two wrestlers, uh, one of which I thought I recognized, but I don't think it was him. We saw a guy looking like the giant, the big show. Another guy wrapped up in bandages. Oh, crap, it's the Yeti! <laughs> and, of course, they sandwich Drake Maverick and do that dry hump spot from Halloween Havoc 95 uh, because that is something that we want to remember. I thought the big show guy was Josh Briggs, but I don't think Josh Briggs has those tattoos. Mind you, I haven't seen enough of him only through like a couple episodes of of Evolve. And then uh, Killian Dane has the Shockmaster helmet on. And he was going to do that spot. Is it, hey, aren't you going to do that spot, mate? Nah, I bend it, man. Nah. He's like, here, give me the helmet. And then he falls. And then Killian Dane utters Davy Boy Smith's infamous line. <laughs> he fell on his arse. I love this tag team. I want these guys to win the titles so bad. And I think that they are. Apologies for that sudden jump cut stop. Uh, my nephew wanted to uh, FaceTime with me and talk about the expansion pass for Pokemon Sword and Shield in the Frozen Tundra area. Uh, the Crown Tundra, which I have already conquered in a week. Yes, I'm a nerd. We left off at... Yes, at Killian Dane and Drake Maverick as the Shockmaster and Hulk Hogan, complete with the Yeti and Big Show dry humping spot, which was absolutely outrageously hilarious. And part two of the Haunted House of Terror match with good old Grimy and Dexter Loomis. Uh, back in the ring, there's a spot with more zombie girls and then. Uh, uh, Loomis locks in the silence and puts old Grimy to sleep. Tommaso Ciampa, he's like, I don't recognize NXT anymore. There's all these entitled people. And they're just, you know, they're wanting. They're going on about, he's going on about buzzwords and tweets getting attention for people. And he says he was never handed anything and never asked for an opportunity. He's simply the simple, simply <clears throat> the greatest sports entertainer of all time. And he's like wanting to go back to old school NXT and all that. And he's taking out all these entitled people, including Velveteen Dream. Yeah, Dream is a 25-year-old prodigy who has the it factor but can't seem to get out of his own damn way. Uh, yeah, uh, given what we know about his personal life and the fact that he still has 
a job in WWE is nothing short of a miracle. <laughs> the old saying, the old saying goes, "Shame on once, hit me with a cast twice, you're a dead man." And that's it. So we get Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Ciampa and Dakota Kai versus Ember Moon announced for a future show. And spin the wheel, make a deal for the NXT Women's Title. Candice LeRae and Io Shirai in a tables, ladders, and scares match. This, of course, was your ladder match with a whole bunch of great high spots here. Friggin' Scream Guy here tries to get involved again, but Shotzi takes them out. And Io Shirai retains in a fantastic, fantastic match. Never got to see who is the who was this masked assailant. I believe it was the same person who hit Kevin Owens with the pie. But that is it. And that is going to wrap up this portion of the Fretzelmania podcast. When I come back after these messages, I'll be going over my fave five NXT UK wrestlers, roster members. This, of course, came courtesy of Jermaine a f- almost a few weeks ago now on the Patreon. And I'm going to be bringing it here and then to close off the show a new segment where you're gonna have to find out which that is stay tuned i'll be right back what's up guys this is the monday night delight Mance chapel of the delight show and you're listening to fretzelmania baby only on wrestle addict radio welcome back to the fretzelmania podcast and welcome to Fretz's Fave 5, your new favorite segment. And if you want to go into the archives of the Fave 5, then you can do that through our Patreon at patreon.com slash WrestleAddictRadio, where I have 35 previous episodes of Fretz's Fave 5, where it's either my fave insert topic here, my moments of the week in wrestling and so much more patreons on patreon subscribers you also get 15 percent off of our teespring merchandise from fretzelmania kings of the rings really t the lovely queen bee the king himself king ricky rose the Delight Show, and Mr. YLP himself, Zach from the Young Lines Perspective. All of us at Russell Attic Radio have merch. You get that 15% off code with that lovely Patreon money. And also, we have recently launched Articles of War at writteninwar.wordpress.com where you get fan fiction with our featured writers Kitty Frost, Neil or Bleed and Dirk Justice. You will get early access to their articles before the public gets to see them. Patreon subscribers will get to see them now for today's fretz's fave five i gotta give a shout out 
to my good brother, my buddy across the pond, Jermaine Lang, my fellow Chiefs fan, who laid the smacketh down on the Jets today. Jermaine, I believe you recommended this one for me quite some time ago. And because October was Spooktober, Treehouse of Horror, Fret's Halloween, whatever month on Patreon, please go and subscribe to our Patreon, please. Five bucks a month. No tears. Five bucks. Jermaine, this is my fave five NXT UK wrestlers. Tune in now. On top of my fave five UK wrestlers, you will get my fave matches from them so starting right away not wasting any more time number five is piper niven now piper niven is uh new to me uh, i think she's been on the uk roster for just over a year or so now she is a uk wrestler i believe she did some stuff in progress uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, Jermaine. You can definitely hit me up with that. But Piper is a very, very talented... Uh, she's a bigger lady. She's kind of like uh, Bull Meccano, Ronda Singh, that kind that kind of person. But for, for a bigger wrestler, she is agile. She is hella talented. And someone I have to get to know a little bit more. But based on, based on the things that I've seen, like her feud... With uh, current UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray, has been absolutely awesome. Has been, has been very good. And UK just relaunched a few weeks ago, so I definitely want to see a lot more of her. And someone else I was going to pick for this list is now back in NXT USA, Pete Dunne. So I had to rearrange some lists here. And my favorite Piper Niven match that I've seen thus far. Is actually a relatively quick but impactful and great match that she had with Rhea Ripley last year. I believe it was in July at NXT UK, and it looks like it took place at a at a fairground. It didn't take place in a, an arena. It looked like it was in some kind of outdoor area, but she had a very quick win against. Rhea Ripley, and it showed uh, that Piper Niven is going to be a very dominant person. I believe she's the future UK women's champion. I'll bank on her maybe being the next one. If it's not Isla Dawn, it's it's Piper. She's She is very, very good. Number four, however, is Eddie Dennis. The Pride of Wales, the Welsh Dragon, trained by Tyson Dukes and Scott Damore. This is a man who is also relatively new to me. He had a match with Trent Seven, which is my favorite of his so far, at NXT. I believe it was at TakeOver Blackpool. He also had a great uh, match with... Dave Mastiff that ended in a double disqualification. They had a a new a no <clears throat> disqualification rules match with Mastiff at Takeover Blackpool, and then at Blackpool Two had a 
barn burner with Trent Seven. Now he is someone from, you know, the the Independence in England again. I think he had some progress or defiant. He is a former head teacher as well, which is uh, also a principal, a school director, a chancellor, if you will, from from Cardiff and Berkshire, Wales. So he is kind of like the Welsh Matt Stryker. Imagine them in a promo off about school and, <laughs> and, and whatnot. So from attack and progress to the UK, Eddie Dennis is someone I think would be someone with a bright future. I mean, he's only two years younger than me. He's 34. And some of the stuff he has been doing on NXT UK lately has been pretty good. Having somewhat of an affiliation with the uh, the hunt going up against uh, South Wales subculture. The, the team of Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. So Eddie Dennis, again, he's someone who is really, really new to me, but I, he's, he's catching my eye. I don't know really why. There's just something about him that I like. I'm a heel guy. So, you know, I like most of the heels, you know, MJF. You know, I'm a really, really big fan of, of Imperium. Although I do not like Pat McAfee <laughs> on NXT, I just think he is so out of place there. But anyways, yeah, Eddie Dennis is my number four. Number three is someone who's been around for a few years now. Noam Dar. Alicia Folks. Yeah, Noam Dar for being a young man, only in his late 20s, has had a storied career that has, you know, seen him go from ICW to Preston City Wrestling to Progress. A brief stint in Impact, What Culture Pro Wrestling, and eventually to the WWE. Now, Dar actually put his WPCW career on the line against Doug Williams for a chance to face then-free agent Cody in October. But, you know, Dar lost and was forced to leave the company. But this was a blessing in disguise for him because in March of 2016, he was announced as a participant in the Cruiserweight Classic. You know, he made his way to the third round where he first defeated Gerv Shearer, one of the Singh brothers, Sunil actually, Ho-Ho Lun in the next match and then was eliminated by Zack Sabre Jr. in the quarterfinals. And of course, Noam Dar, he is known for his... I am sorry for knocking down this flashlight. Blessed me. <clears throat> For having an on-screen relationship with Alicia Fox. No, Alicia Fox. And he had a pretty good run on 205 Live. Had a I quit match with Cedric Alexander. He joined a faction called the Zoe Train. <laughs> oh, the Cruiserweight champion Enzo Amore's 
heel faction with Tony Nese, Drew Gulak, Arya Davari, and Noam Dar. And then eventually Noam Dar made his way back to the UK wrestling scene, onto NXT UK, had a belter of a match with Pete Dunn for the UK title. You know, he had uh, a match against Mark Andrews at UX, and then at uh, UK TakeOver Cardiff, he defeated Travis Banks in his first TakeOver match of any kind. And recently, Noam Dar has been into the Heritage Cup tournament, defeating Alexander Wolf in the first round. And then now he's continually continuing his run in the UK UK Championship. Noam Dar is billed from Air Scotland, although he was born in Israel. An Israeli-born Scottish professional wrestler. I believe he might have been the first Israeli signing in WWE. But I thought Noam also always had a unique look. He had a unique style in the ring. His friggin' insigiri is just something else. And his mannerisms, his his gimmick, his presentation, he's he's funny, but once he's in the ring, the guy's a stud. He's awesome. So yeah, my number three pick here is Noam Dar. I was going to put in Flash Morgan Webster, but it's an absolutely difficult choice to make. Noam Dar is number three. Number two is Ilya Dragunov. You know, if you know me very well, if you know me from a previous fave five list which you can check out on the patreon please 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 do now Ilya Dragunov has become one of my favorites in the UK division of course he is uh from Moscow he has had his his name all over the European wrestling scene and just recently had a match of the year candidate with spoiler alert my obvious number one pick the UK champion, Valter, but, oi, this guy could go. And my favorite match with Ilya Dragunov isn't actually from Valter. It's from Cesaro uh, at NXT UK TakeOver. I believe it was Cardiff 2, where there was a bit of an open challenge, and it was answered by Cesaro. Cesaro's had a knack for going into NXT and giving these up-and-comers a good rub and a good match and a moment in the ring after he defeats them because Cesaro did beat him, but man, he he shined him up here real nice. And he didn't stick him up stick him sideways up anyone's candy ass. He shined him up real nice, made him look like a beast in the ring, gave him a little gave him a little pat and a little respect. And a moment in the ring. Although the, the match with Vault with Walter is a close second. I didn't give you my favorite match with Noam Dar. I you know what I did? I quit match with Cedric Alexander. Boom, there it is. Don't have to go back and edit that, because I don't know how to go back and edit that. <laughs> yeah, I'm basic when it comes to podcasting peeps. I'm a one I'm a one take kind of guy. And now my number one pick, in case you didn't already hear it. Just, just cue, just cue Dvorak already. Just cue the music. Who else could it be? The current UK champion, Walter. Walter, however you want to <laughs> pronounce him. 
Now, Walter is a guy that I discovered a couple of years ago through uh, through a GCW show I was watching, WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Joey Janela Spring Break, it had to be. And I just see this giant Austrian guy chopping the crap out of PCO. No, PCO, a, a wrestler I was watching when I was a kid. Freaking Quebecer Pierre. Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Like, and then he has this resurgence, and he has this match against Walter. That is my favorite match of Walter's, by the way, although Tyler Bate has got to be a close second from from Cardiff. My, my or Blackpool, whichever, whichever one it was, I, I forget. Uh, Jermaine, you can absolutely correct me on that, I'm sorry. But Walter, this big, imposing beast of a man who can chop you and turn and just turn you black and blue. I mean, look at Ilya Dragunov. Look at the match that they just had and look at Ilya's chest and back after that. He can chop you from out of nowhere. You know, he had other ring names like Big Van Walter, Walter Hahn, Big Daddy Walter. Made his debut in 2005. You know, he had Dub X Dub, PWG, Evolve, Progress, Defiant. But as I said, I got to know him and see him through his matches with GCW. I believe he even had one with Riddle. I wouldn't be surprised if he chopped the absolute snot out of Matt Riddle. But Walter is a guy that I want to see have like a Bruno Sammartino like six year run with the UK title. Well at the same time I kind of want Elia to beat him for the for the belt. But those are my fave five NXT UK wrestlers. Let me know what you think. You can absolutely please send me a topic for the Fave Five that you'd want me to cover. You know, I do have the rest of the year and well into 2021 lined up for for topics, but I'm always willing to uh, to uh, you know delve away from the list if you have a really really good topic for me to cover. You know, Jermaine, he's done a couple for me uh, because he is also a member of the Patreon. And when the Fave Five was a Patreon exclusive segment, you uh, you were able to help. <clears throat> You know, help come up with with a list. So if you have a list you want me to cover, hit me up on the Twitter. I gave you my information already. Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E, Mania. Whew. And now, the final segment of the week, which is going to be closing off every Fretzelmania from here on after, is a segment that I'm naming after my, my co-host, my good friend, former co-host, Nate. And it is the Game Changer of the Week. Now, those of you who are longtime listeners of WrestleAddict Radio and the Game Changer podcast specifically, you know that Nate and I briefly had that segment. And it's something I've always wanted to bring back. I always wanted to bring up when him and I recorded, but it never came back up just because sometimes we 
went long. Sometimes we went too long. But the game changer of the week is something that's going to be where I highlight a wrestler, a even a YouTuber, podcaster, presenter, or, you know, a commentator, whatever, a personality in and outside of wrestling or a segment even. And I just highlight it in a positive way and why I think that they changed the game that week. And I'm not going to cheat and give it to, you know, and give the inaugural one to the man who's named after Nate, although he deserves it. I'm giving it to Roman Reigns simply for the acting and everything that he's been putting on ever since he turned heel, especially for the Hell in the Cell match and the SmackDown after Hell in the Cell where he persuaded Jey Uso to fall in line, you know, to put Daniel Bryan through the table. By the end of the night, he will fall in line. And he got Jey Uso in tears. Like, you know, I hate you. That title's got you tripping, Uso. And Roman is like, you know, I love you. And I know what's best for you. And by the end of the night, you're going to fall in line. And, you know, he threatened to like, you know, you and your children and your children's children are banned for three months. If you get that reference, hit me up. Maybe I'll get you something. <laughs> yeah, so my game changer, my inaugural game changer of the week goes to Roman Reigns. And the Oscar goes to, I've got to win this one. I bribed everyone in Hollywood. Roman Reigns from Man Getting Hit by Football. There's another funny reference there for you. That's what you're going to get from me, folks, is niche references and nonsense. Because wrestling is nonsense. That is it for the inaugural edition of the Fretzelmania podcast on Wrestle Addict Radio. Please let me know what you think. You can hit me up. Listen to the rest of us on Wrestle Addict Radio, the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Delight Show, Mr. YLP himself, the Young Lions Perspective. Am I forgetting anyone? And myself? Nope, that, <laughs> that's it. I also want to give a special shout out the Rant Foundation. Rant with Ant, Ant Stefano himself, one of the main reasons I'm here. He's back. Him, Issa, Phil, they're back. They're keeping wrestling real. They're killing it. They're doing great. Want to give them a special shout out as well. Thank you very much, everybody. Come back next week. Fretzelmania on the Russell Addict Radio is going to be doing a little bit of fantasy booking exactly what it is you're just gonna have to tune in and find out so this has been it for me so listen to us here on wrestle addict radio the cure for the common wrestling podcast we keep wrestling real thank you again frets out